0: Hello and welcome back again to Mind the Millennial Gap Podcast. My name is Chris. I'm an elder millennial.
1: And my name is Jillian and I am a younger millennial.
0: And together we chat about topics that are affecting our millennial generation and from our different points of view across the millennial spectrum. Today, Jillian is the one that has our topic to chat about. I'm very, very excited about this topic. I heard about it earlier this week. And we have not talked about it one bit while she was getting it all together. Geez, what do we have today?
1: Oh, before we jump into the topic, can I ask you, Christopher, what is the most millennial thing that happened to you this week?
0: Mm, I'm going to have to think about that. Um, honestly, uh, I am an Amazon shopper, like quite a bit outside of just regular grocery shopping. Uh, Jillian and I ordered something on Amazon and found that it wasn't the right item. And so while it's just so easy to press a button or two, it shows up to your door in the most timely of manner. It's been sitting in the house ever since and it needs to be packed back up and take it to a Kohl's or return somehow, however that happens. It's so inconvenient to return this convenient item.
1: It really is. That is pretty funny. For those of you wondering what the object was, it was a baby gate, not for a baby for a cat. We'll leave you at that. Okay, the most millennial thing that happened to me this week was I was um, working remotely. My brother was getting married this week and so I took the second half of the week off but still worked remotely for the first half of it and I picked the cafe that I worked in based on how Instagrammable it was. And let me tell you, it was so cute, and the coffee was so good. Um, Shout-out to the Pangolin Cafe in Reno, Nevada. If you ever go to Reno, 10 out of 10 recommend.
0: We're going to have to tag them. I saw that we did tag them in the in the post, so if anyone ever wants to see – what the, I can't even say the name of it. Pangolin. The pa- animal. The Pangolin, Pangolin Cafe looks like, feel free to go look at uh, Mind the Millennial Gap Instagram. There's a beautiful shot of what the ambiance of that particular cafe looks like in Reno, Nevada.
1: It's quite wonderful. And all, everyone who I um, encountered there, all the staff was absolutely beautiful. And they make their own Turkish delight. And it was so good. Every single flavor I tried was so good. So, wow interesting out. yeah they did
0: a lot of custom things i've heard like the other couple stories that you told me about this little cafe oh, yeah. that what you spent a handful of hours in yeah. during the course of the week
1: took my sister back because i was like you have to see this you'll love it and we picked up some chais on our way out it was so good
0: wonderful i know i know that uh reno nevada isn't just the place to go in passing but it, maybe if you're in tahoe go take the little drive out to to Reno
1: yeah Reno Reno has some very very beautiful very fun areas too and uh, we were lucky enough to stay in the jewel of Reno known as the Great Sierra resort or something like that that was referred to by my family as the jewel of Reno the entire time because that's how they called it so, it was very nice reno was a great time was it self-branded jewel of reno or was. did
0: your did your family
1: <laughs> no i think it was self-branded and my family really latched onto it <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: fair enough i guess uh, <laughs> i guess if you have a slogan and people believe that it, it works right <laughs>
1: yeah it really was um awesome well thank you for sharing your millennial experience um before we jump into i also want to apologize for my voice i had a cold a few weeks ago and it's it's gone, um, but I still have a little bit of a scratchy voice. So, sorry for that. The end.
0: Yeah, if we knew how to do actual <laughs> sound for a podcast, we could probably cover that you up. Could probably,
1: but I'm just a little scratchy still. Alrighty, you ready to jump in, Chris? I am so excited. <laughs> Alrighty. So, our topic today, and for at least the next episode, and maybe the next two episodes even, is going to be Millennials and Religion. Um, I really tried to make sure that I captured a super wide range of sources for this week's ep- episode from a variety of different viewpoints. And um, this will be a pretty fact heavy episode because of that. You're, you're going to be hearing a lot of statistics, a lot of reports. The Pew Research Center will make several appearances in here, <laughs> which I have since
0: validated. <laughs> I'm okay with the Pew guys now.
1: <laughs> and funny enough, like I had only heard Pew Research Center in regards to religious studies before. Um, and so I thought that they were only a religious studies organization and not just like a broad. They're just a survey. general survey base, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. It, we're using Pew in the way that I thought Pew was going to be always used in this in this episode. So I'm excited. Um I also wanted to acknowledge that like as people, as humans, we often have some unconscious biases in topics li- um, based on our lived experiences, and even though I tried to stick to like the facts in this um, research, in this episode, I wanted to acknowledge that my life has been really affected by religion. I grew up in a religious household. My parents raised us as part of the LDS or Mormon faith, and I made the choice to leave when I was 24. Um, I spent a lot of time in therapy, unwinding my religious experiences, um, and I recognize that while um, a lot of what I went through is classified as trauma, that not everyone feels that way when they're in or when they're leaving a religion, and even though it's about six years in my rear-view mirror at this point, and I can generally approach topics like this with a cool head, I thought it was only fair to our sweet listeners to give a little bit of background. Um, so you know where I'm coming from in this discussion, and, and you're just aware of any biases I might have and um, we'll talk where I am r- religiously in a few episodes, and we've kind of discussed like maybe doing a patreon on on why I left and why yeah um but for now, Chris, do you want to say anything about your own religious Yeah, so this might turn
0: into kind of like a a loose mini series of a continuous uh thought train here, but i I myself also uh, have quite a bit of experience with religion. And uh, through the course of, of my life, I just found that it no longer was something I wanted to do anymore. And I found myself walking a different path that uh, isn't necessarily aligned with any religion or kind of any spiritual thought at this point. And so while I recognize that I can I'm speaking for myself only, I can't accept that p- some people, uh, do find a lot of good being, I guess, associated with a spiritual community or a r- religious community there. But for, for me and myself and my sp- self-exploration, I just find I wanted to to walk a different path.
1: Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You just blew my kiss. <laughs> um, okay. So Chris Millennials and religion. Off the bat, what are your assumptions about millennials and religion?
0: I've actually seen quite a bit of news on this, whether i read articles or just saw the repeating headlines. And for some reason, I have a recollection that through the first year or so of the pandemic, it seemed to be a lot more frequent in seeing maybe this headline, maybe maybe news was short outside of... Uh, the pandemic, but my sentiments say that on average, uh, the millennial generation and any generation thereafter are less and less uh, religious practicing than any future, I'm sorry, any previous generation has been.
1: Awesome. And that's exactly where I was coming from too, when I started the research on this. Um, I think mostly, but mostly based on my own experiences, I assume that a lot of millennials were leaving. Um, I don't have very many religious friends in my life anymore. Um, a lot of the people that were religious in their youth have since walked away. But I, I do still have some still that have either um, held on to the religion they were raised in or found something that kind of fit them more as they transitioned into adulthood. Uh, but I did I did feel the same way you did, just kind of antidotally. Antidotally, I will never say that word right. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, m- millennials were leaving. Um, okay, so... Jumping right into the statistics and, okay, all of the statistics today are really U.S. centric again. I'm really trying everyone to get something more worldwide, but a lot of the research.
0: I could see that that's very find. difficult because different regions of the world have very different cultural and religious ties. Yeah, So that could be very difficult, but I'd be very interested to see how congruent it is or uniquely different it yeah. is for sure.
1: Me too. And if anyone has any resources they'd like to point us to to kind of broaden our horizons on some of the topics we're talking about, we would love to hear them. I'm really trying to make this broader than just a U.S. centric kind of stand on millennials. Um, OK, so, Chris, first statistic, you were right. So four in 10 millennials now say that they are religiously unaffiliated, according to the.
0: Oh, is this the Pew guys? Yes, Go the
1: ahead. Pew Research Center. Um, In fact, millennials are almost as likely to say they have no religion as they are to identify as Christian. Um, Christians make up the majority of the general U.S. population, about 63% of all adults, as well as the millennial population. And interestingly, while other faiths, such as Judaism, Buddhism, Islam, are holding steady as far as their percentages, the percentage of Christians are going down. So, to quote Caroline Newman in an article titled, Why Millennials Are Leaving Religion But Embracing Spir- Spirituality, really, when we are talking about people leaving religion, we are talking about people leaving Christianity. When you look at the numbers, the growth of the religiously unaffiliated is almost entirely related to people leaving Catholic and Protestant churches. So, when we see these headlines saying, uh, millennials, millennials are killing religion, it's really not all religion. It's Christianity, millennials are leaving Christianity. So that is something I wanted that really surprised me. I kind of expected a drop off in like similar percentage amounts um, across all religions and and that's not the case. Chris, do you have any reaction to that?
0: It's really interesting that it's uh, heavier in the multiple brands or sects of Christianity than it is other major world religions that are prevalent here in America. That's a bit shocking to me that maybe uh, Islam or Judaism or some other items they're holding steady. I would have thought that it had have been a little bit more parallel.
1: I did too. It, it really surprised me. Um, and we'll kind of talk about some of the hypotheses on where why that is a little bit later. In, in some broader terms, there's not a lot of data to support some of these um, kind of drill downs that I would really like to see. You, but we'll talk about it
0: do you think so um for th- for the handful of people that do listen to our podcast one shout out thank you very much you we really appreciate best. it it's
1: more than a handful
0: um but i i listen to npr in the car i'm i'm that guy apparently i've been 20 years older than i am <laughs> forever because i've listened to npr in the car for a long time now at this point but there are actually uh this is correlating to a thought that i had today when i was listening to it where Uh, they were talking about unionization and and kind of the death of unions and how they've kind of brought back up again. But the the thing that stood out to me most was they talk about just the death of the American community.
1: Oh, interesting. And how
0: it's created just more individualisms and less um, bonds as a community where they attribute in that part of the, the country that they were talking about that the union actually brought people together, held them together and took, they all took care of each other. Do you think potentially, and I do, I do not know. I am not a theologic scholar. I don't qualify as anything here, but do you think that other religions outside of American Christianity have a better, like tighter community and whether you, whatever level of that you practice inside of that religion, you're still tied in by your community because Uh, My observations are that Judaism and Islam have pretty tight communities that also have religion within them, but where American Christianity, it seems to have lost a little bit more of its influence in America. I know there are certain outcomes lately that don't say that, but generally (laughs) it's kind of lost a little bit of, of its influence of holding a community together.
1: I think that's a really interesting thought and something that I don't feel like fully equipped to speak on with like full information and anything. And kind of two things that came to mind as you were talking. Um, I wonder if in the U S these communities are typically smaller outside of Christianity. And I wonder if that, um, bring like brings some closeness to them and some like hanging on to it because it's um, people that you identify as, I know that like, um, the religion I belong to, it's, it's a, it's a offshoot of Christianity. Um, and there was a lot of Christianity where I grew up, but not a lot of Mormons and all the Mormon kids hung out together. Right. It was like, you found comfort kind of in who, who you related to on a a community level
0: or who accepted you outside of it.
1: Exactly. Like the weird, the weird girl who didn't drink caffeine or wouldn't wear tank tops. Yeah. Um, couldn't, couldn't play on Sundays. Yeah. So, that was the first thing. And then like, yeah, the second is, I, I, I really don't, I don't know. I don't know enough about how religion works in different countries. And it tr- truly, if anyone has a viewpoint or would like to come on and like share their experience, we would love to hear it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We, we love engagement. We, we, we do have an email that is barren. <laughs> Find the millennial gap at gmail.com. We have an Instagram. Thank you for those who do interact with us. Uh, open invitation to anyone who wants to interact with us on the TikTok or uh, Instagram platforms. Yeah.
1: Um, and we, we really appreciate the interaction we've been getting so far. It's been really fun to chat with a lot of you. All righty. So, um, kind of going back. A second. So we just talked about how the religiously unaffiliated is almost entirely related to people leaving Catholic and Protestant churches. I was unfamiliar with what constitutes a Protestant.
0: Anyone that's not Catholic.
1: Uh, Yeah. And that's essentially what it was, a group that broadly is defined to include non-denominational Christians and people who describe themselves as just Christian, along with Baptists, Methodists, Lutherans, Presbyterians, and members of any other non-denominational families. So really, yeah, Catholics and Protestants, it's kind of the two sides of the coin. So it's just Christians that are leaving the church. Um, So the Protestant share in particular is down 4 percentage points over the last five years and has dropped 10 points in 10 years. And Christians now outnumber religious nuns by a ratio of a little more than 2 to 1. And a religious nun is someone who um, identifies themselves on this Pew Research survey as having no affiliation to any sort of organized religion. Um, In 2007, when the center began asking its current question about religious identity, Christians outnumbered nuns by almost 5 to 1. So it was 5 to 1 in 2007, so 15 years ago, and now it's, that's crazy, that's that's 15 years ago, and now it's dropped to 2 to 1. So it's a pretty vast difference over the past um, years, and that's the years where millennials were really entering adulthood too, as well, which is highly correlated in a lot of the research that we've found. Um, Chris, anything you want to say about that?
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd be really interested to see past generations that they have fall off at a certain age about practicing, but still potentially not necessarily like, I'm sorry, reverse that. <laughs> if they identify, but they yeah. don't practice, because that's kind of what the stat is saying. It's, it's an identification, whether you practice or not. Right. Like, right. I, would, I would assume that many people, while they're trying to figure out who they are in the young years of adulthood, yeah. potentially walk away from the religion that they, they grew up with for a period of time, but they still could identify as such.
1: That is very interesting that uh, yeah I don't have the data in front of me but that is I I wonder kind of yeah what nuances there are there in practicing versus not and what constitutes practicing like are you taking your religion's um like strict ideology and like making a check bark m- m- check of like yes I do this I do this I do this and that's what constitutes practicing or is it my names are on a roll somewhere I, I go once a year twice a year and that counts as practicing it would be very interesting to kind of figure out those nuances
0: yeah but i think i think generally just our generation is quite independent and quite curious and unfortunately those those things don't lead well to um giving up some of the freedoms yeah. of that uh, just following without question kind of tend and lead to believe i'm sure this is an enormous math problem to find (laughs) what truly is like the, the heavy weighted like variable here. Yeah. But it just seems like sentimentally, uh, very curious organization, very curious group of people. Right.
1: We will kind of talk about the why in just a minute, but one last thing I wanted to bring up in the what's going on statistically with millennials and religion is Um, A lot of these studies that were conducted were actually conducted before the coronavirus pandemic. And as we know, kind of also just by, anecdotally, did I say it right this time? You're so close. Anecdotally. Anecdotally. (laughs) By that word, um, that like people kind of look for something outside of themselves when there's time and hardship. So there was actually a study based on um, religion before and after the pandemic and how it, um, affected and they, they found the same thing. Millennials were still leaving at the same rate during the pandemic. And actually, um, millennials were also praying less often, reporting to pray less often. Um, and so that's any kind of outward expression to something other than yourself is what they're counting as a prayer. So 32% of those, um,
0: does posting on Reddit count
1: no, posting on Reddit is not prayer, <laughs> although that is something bigger than us. <laughs> I like it, Picasso. Um, but 32% of those um, after the pandemic that were in the millennial age that were researched uh, said they seldom or never pray. That same study that they did in 2007 that I referenced before, only 18% of people did it. So it's almost doubled the amount of people who say they never pray in any form.
0: I think it's really interesting uh Julie and I live in what is a very tight religious state, I guess for or a concentrated religious state is the what I would use and the loosest observations would sit there and lead me to believe we don't really know what the true facts are around religious practice or uh, religious uh, walking away or excusing yourself uh, from your religion, from the, the fallout of the period of time of lockdown, of, of questioning, of really divisive rhetoric that, that's gone on there. I think it'll be years before we actually see the true facts and numbers of what happened during this period
1: of time. I totally agree with you. And even observationally, um, the community that we are kind of in the middle of is a, is the LDS community. And, um, I've had many encounters with people who have uh, during, during the pandemic, when everyone was at stay at home orders and church was not happening at all, or was happening, um, via like a Skype type call. Um, they, they kind of were able to explore what things that they wanted to keep, what they wanted to leave, what they found value with in the religion. And I had a lot of um, acquaintances leave during that time since they weren't kind of in the routine of um, going every week and my thought is maybe that gave them like a clear like break to kind of see this is something that's valued to me this is not it kind of stripped away all of that for them um, and these are just my observations right I don't want to put this on anyone else either. yeah
0: I would hope that maybe some people found happiness yeah. in moving towards uh, a a religion or right. a religious community too,
1: right? Maybe that brought, uh, really, truly, brought people solace in a time where it seemed very chaotic and um, there was a lot of a lot going on and a lot of uncertainty. Um, yeah, so truly, it, it's hard to point out like what did the pandemic do for us religiously, but the statistics show people still left and people aren't praying anymore, which is very interesting to me. So we've established that millennials are leaving. Christian religion, not all religion, Christian religion. Um, so why?
0: That alone is just so fascinating. I know, it
1: that like blew my mind. I wanted to tell you so bad. <laughs> um, so the next little bit, I'm gonna be quoting heavily from a 538 article that's linked in the show notes. I'm not gonna share the name of it right now because it's a spoiler for the rest of the episode. So it's 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 good though. Um. And just a reminder, all of our works are always linked in our show notes. So you can go and read any articles. I think I forgot to do
0: it last time, but I'll edit.
1: Chris will edit. (laughs) We believe in proper citation (laughs) and giving credit.
0: Absolutely. I'll (laughs) I'll get out my MLM handbook from
1: high school. Do it. Oh, we were talking about that the other day. That's a whole other thing we need to discuss is what did you learn in high school and what textbooks, like what physical things did you think you were going to use for the rest of your life? And then the internet just replaced it.
0: Yeah. How prevalent was the internet in your high school experience? (laughs) Right.
1: Okay. So why are millennials leaving religion? Um, So first we're going to talk about something that's referred to as the alienation theory, which is kind of my initial thoughts going into this. Chris, you've kind of shared why you think millennials are leaving religion and I was in line with you. Um, as we have more choices, and we we have so many more options, like why why would we choose something that doesn't fit with our entire belief system? Like why would we put ourselves in a box like that? Um, so, in the alienation theory, it says that churches um, have waged war, like that have waged war against LGBTQ rights or supported very conservative politics or presidents. Um, are reaping the fallout for this. Millennials want nothing to do with them. And that is, um, that's part of my own story on why I left my religion. Um, so I, I really resonated with that. It, it wasn't something I was willing to stand with anymore, publicly or privately, for that matter. Um, that kind
0: of harmonizes with uh, our episode last week where we talked about food choice and how younger and younger generations actually will omit certain like companies or certain food choices based off of their social outcomes. Right?
1: Right. Yeah. We, we are standing up for what we think and being a lot more, um, broad range with our beliefs and taking them into every part of our lives is something I think we're learning through this podcast. Um, and there is actually evidence to support this alienation theory to a point. Um, young adults are leaving religion in droves and some of it is related to politics uh, people who vote or lean democratic are most likely to be nuns, um, and back to nuns—that's people that don't affiliate with any religious um, group. And you think you think
0: they would get a non-religious moniker, and None. not a nun? right? <laughs> <You> know, <laughs>
1: oh, wait, that's funny. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. So I thought that was like super interesting. It kind of fit with like the thoughts I had in my head already, but I thought it was really interesting. What amazes me, though, was they're not all atheists. About a third of all the nuns still say religion is somewhat or very important in their lives. And most say that they believe in something bigger than us, whether that's a god, whether that's a universe. Um, though that percentage holding theistic beliefs, so a belief in a god, is falling. So more people are believing that there's something bigger than us, but also not in a god. Um, And that's the key. There's no religious affiliation. If the alienation theory fully explained what's going on in uh, American religion, people would be leaving conservative religions in favor of ones that are liberal and LGBTQ affirming. Um, There's lots of churches that exist. We have several in Salt Lake that do a lot of good in the community. Um, And those on the the political left are um, very aware of... Social outcomes would feel welcome and comfortable, but they're not growing either. Those churches aren't growing. Um, instead, people are just leaving religion and like that's full stop, Like that's the end of the sentence. People are leaving still. They're not going somewhere where they feel more comfortable. So if it's not fully the alienation theory, like part of it can be kind of correlated to data, but part of it can't. So what else is there? Um, social science research has kind of suggested that Americans' relationship with religion is almost like like uh, it goes in waves, right? So people who were raised religious find themselves drifting away as young adults, get away from what you know, and then they kind of come back when they find spouses and start to raise their own families. So as we've talked about before, millennials are kind of waiting to hit some of these major milestones such as marriage, starting a family, So people were like, okay, they're just kind of late bloomers. When they meet these milestones, they're going to come back. And that really hasn't been the case. And we'll talk about more of that in a second. Um, So what they did was they interviewed 2,500, and this is the American Enterprise Institute, um, interviewed 2,500 Americans that identified as millennials who were leaving religion, who had left religion. And this is kind of the themes that they came out um, as why people were leaving. So, for one thing, millennials did not have strong ties with religion to begin with, which means that they were less likely to develop habits or associations that made it easier to return to a religious community. So, 17% of millennials said that they were not raised in any particular religion, compared to only 5% of baby boomers are parents.
0: So, um, they're just perpetuating their childhood experience right, then.
1: Right. And, um, a lot of the Christian um, YouTube channels and podcasts I listened to in preparation for this also cited that said it's been their parents were not involved. So why would they be involved? They don't they don't know anything about this. How do we kind of find how do we bring people in that don't have a strong religious foundation? It was very fascinating. I'll link them too. I, I had a great time researching this. Okay, so and um, fewer than one in three, so it's thirty-two percent to be exact. Millennials said that they attended weekly religious services with their family when they were young. Baby boomers were at forty-nine percent. So, so there's a drop between where our parents were and then where how millennials were fundamentally raised.
0: I am now very interested in boomer fall off more than I am millennial. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do we know a boomer that's left a religion? I'm sure we could find one. Oh,
0: I, I am sure we could, we could definitely find one, but uh, that. <laughs> That seems just question mark in my head only. I won't go down that rabbit okay. hole. Okay.
1: Okay. Very cool. A little asterisk there. Um, okay. Another thing that millennials, um, that's kind of unique about millennials is um, millennials are also increasingly likely to have a spouse who is non-religious, which may reinforce their secular word- worldviews. And... um I didn't pull up a statistic on f- mixed faith marriage, but at least in the LDS community, it's um, less than half. I would assume it's end, pretty low. End, yeah. And don't right. end in divorce. But like more than half end in divorce.
0: But I'd, it'd be really interesting to to see if any, if any data was out there. I would assume if millennials did identify as religious, that mixed faith uh, relationships would actually be going up assuming that someone did identify as religious.
1: That's true. And I think it also depends on how high demand your religion is too. Like, is it something oh. where you're constantly doing something for an organization that your spouse doesn't belong to or doesn't believe in? Or is it something that you're like, yes, I am. this." These brand are very Christian, Christian holidays
0: that I'll make sure yeah. that I attend yeah. yep. uh, some service for. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I can only speak to the world that, we know in that statistics a few years ago um, I'll link that as well um, okay and then the last is kind of something that I we've both talked about on separate occasions and that changing view about the relationship between morality and religion also appears to convince a lot of young parents so millennials that are having kids the religious institutions are probably unnecessary for raising their children with the morals that they want them to um, to develop and bring into adulthood
0: Do you think anyone just identifies as exhausted?
1: I know that's how you identify. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. Maybe I was just teeing (laughs) that up. But it's just it it seems that like if I don't have to add anything extra into my life that's already quite full. Right. It seems like no one would go and invite more in if they didn't have to.
1: Exactly. And so especially if something if you're not like super tied or super emotional to something, emotionally like tied to something or, yeah, through community tied to something, why would you bring on kind of that extra stress and extra time on yourself? We're busy. We've got things to do. And if it's not a priority, there's, there's ways around kind of the um, how do we make, how do we instill values in our children factor that have nothing to do with religion at all.
0: Yeah. Despite despite religion not being for me, I am actually quite fascinated by the world religions that exist out there um, and how those systems come to be, how those belief systems uh, might overlap others or are uniquely their own. And so by no means uh, am I turning my back on just religious information. It's just it, this is just my personal choice how I identify. But yeah. Um, a, a millennial lifestyle. Well, there's lots of them, but depending on them, <laughs> if if you maybe have a little bit more of a corporate millennial lifestyle and you're settling in a little bit later uh, into your life, uh, maybe there's maybe there's a family there. Maybe it's growing. I think a lot of people are worked quite a bit and extracurricular quite a bit, if that's a word.
1: <laughs> yeah. And
0: so yeah, I'd, I wouldn't see generally anyone signing up for for much more unless they saw enormous amounts of value
1: that's true and maybe there is something with um since millennials are are having kids later getting married later there's something about like being set in your ways a little bit where you're like well this hasn't been part of my life to this point or hasn't been since i was in a youth um why would i bring it back in now too right like starting new things isn't always natural or comfortable
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I think, I think fear sits in the back yeah. there. It's like, I don't know how to do this.
1: Yeah. Ah, oh, very interesting. This whole, it's so fascinating. Okay. So I also read an article that I cannot find. I cannot find it anywhere. I'm convinced it's out there.
0: I've been there 50 <laughs> times doing just a few episodes. I know that feeling.
1: Oh, I like it. Thought I had saved it on my phone and I can't find it now. Okay. Um, I can't find it, but it was about the thought I'm summarizing probably pretty badly that we live in a consumer capitalist society and we have so many choices in everything that we do. And kind of back to what we said, if something doesn't fit my ideals exactly, then let me find something that will kind of like finding the right car. Like what features do I want? What features are not important to me or finding like a good dress for a date on Friday? We just have a lot of choices and I don't think feel as constrained to be, o- be okay with the status quo.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, just choices just bring a childhood memory of mine. If, if, uh, if you happen to grow up in the general United States South, any given n- non cable was at standard channel stations on a Sunday morning were playing some like chapel service. <laughs> and I always wondered as a kid, why can't I just sit here and turn this TV on and do church? I didn't realize yeah. that there was a lot of different churches back then, but why <laughs> couldn't I just sit, turn the TV on, do church, rather than go and drive to, to the meeting house that I went to and go through all the services there. So yeah, we're always, human nature will we'll choose the easier thing. Unless we find, you know, uh, utility in doing something hard, right?
1: I love that thought. I love that because it's it's very true. Like if if I don't have to do something for the same experience, if I don't have to put as much effort in for the same experience back, I'm not going to put in that effort. Yeah, for sure.
0: No, I realize as an adult those were different <laughs> denominations and different <laughs> things that you know wasn't the denomination I was growing up, but yeah. just a just a thought that never left my mind
1: were they the um oh i can't think of the word like like very evangelical i i
0: i don't want (laughs) to misspeak but the prevalent religion of where i grew up was southern baptist i imagine one if not more than one of those channels was in a southern baptist chapel cool cool
1: we had so i grew up in charlotte north carolina Um, and we are the home of Billy Graham. We have like Billy Graham Parkway, Billy Graham, everything. And then there was also this place. Okay. Next episode, we're going to do a little corner about the city of light because I don't remember it exactly. It was very religious and very strange. Very different.
0: Only if I can do TBN because that is where I grew up.
1: Wait, do you know about TBN?
0: Do we need to research it? For driven next week? past the studios. That's how close they were to where I grew up.
1: Is that what Kesha was supposed to be on in that um, "This Is Our Salvation" song?
0: I'm gonna say my my elderly millennialism <laughs> doesn't know too much about Kesha facts.
1: Okay, so. Dear sweet gentle listeners next week we'll be back to you about the city of light that may or may not be a cult may or may not be a Ponzi scheme and the TBN network and how it relates to Kesha hold us accountable
0: fair enough (laughs) notes taken
1: (laughs) perfect okay um perfect so just kind of end this like section on why are Millennials leaving I just wanted to kind of grab an outside perspective that's opinions only from a spiritual leader and this is deepak chopra who i don't know a lot about but i enjoy him on all of the documentaries i've watched if you were to
0: (laughs) summarize deepak chopra because i know the name i don't know maybe what his value proposition is or what what he truly does there and i don't know if maybe our listener base would know or maybe i'm the outlier
1: uh, I, I don't think so. Cause I don't know super a lot about him either. I know that he's um, like a spiritual leader. I know that he, um, he was on the, it, the mushroom film we watched recently, not fantastic fungi, but the other one. Oh okay. Um, and he's, so he's, he's very big into different forms of spirituality and how it doesn't have to be. Be religion. Um, oh, so he's
0: more of a generalist of spirituality. I, I
1: don't, I don't quite know okay. everything about Deepak.
0: Doctor Chopra, we apologize, but we love your content. Apparently, we
1: again, again, mm-hmm. not a hundred percent sure how I feel about him in every aspect. Did really like him on the mushroom movie though, and then when the, the the ayahuasca one, that whole one, yeah. it was very interesting. Um, but he said some of the things that we're told in religion, in traditional religion, don't seem logical or rational and more people are questioning those teachings. And I thought that kind of sums up what we've learned about millennials to this point, right? Like we're not doing things the same way because we are asking the questions of why and kind of pushing back against the status quo. So is there an one reason why millennials are leaving religion? The data doesn't super point to it, but um there there might be something there with we're just more individualistic and making our own choices. Now
0: I bet, I bet themes can be pulled, but if I were to think of like the statistics of it all, that's gotta be an enormous model to go figure it out.
1: (laughs) It'd be kind of cool. Any, anyone who, yeah, that's great. Okay. So millennials are leaving Christian religion. Check. We're unsure why they're leaving. Check. But are they coming back? As I mentioned it kind of in the last section, um, people thought millennials were gonna kind of boomerang, to put it in Chris's terms, to boomerang back once they had kids and family and say, hey, now now you're an adult, now you're responsible, come, come do the responsible things we did when you were a youth. Kind of, maybe, now that we know that only 17% of them, 17% of them um, were not raised in any particular religious household. Oh, no, that was boomers. 38% of them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <Sorry>. yeah. <laughs> Too many numbers. Okay. So, um, Chris, do you think millennials are coming back?
0: I really don't have any real-life data points, honestly. My, my gut would tell me no. My gut would tell me there's so many other things to explore that coming back maybe isn't uh, the, the top choice but I wouldn't rule it completely out. I think people can find comfort in it. I think there are scenarios where you can have uh, those positive feelings or positive memories of of childhood and being part of a religious or spiritual community, and then maybe longing for that again. So it might be more individualistic, but on the whole, uh, I wouldn't say that people are coming back with any frequency.
1: And you're exactly right. Um, so the data on this is still kind of a little bit fuzzy since part of the millennial generation is still kind of entering that marriage children phase. But what they found so far is that no, they're, they're not really coming back. Um, in the 1970s, a lot most non-religious Americans had a religious spouse. That's how it lined up. And often that partner would draw them back into regular religious practice. Whether or not they like changed core beliefs or anything, Unstated, but they would start going again and identify as such. Um, But now a growing number of unaffiliated Americans, so those nuns we were talking about, are settling down with someone who isn't religious. And that might be accelerated by a sheer number of romantic partners available and kind of the rise of online dating where you can filter out some traits or characteristics of people. I
0: never ever would have put that together. Yeah,
1: isn't that interesting? Because
0: there's so, there's so many, I mean, there's obviously popular dating sites where you can list that attribute on your yeah, profile absolutely. and people can say yes or no to viewing that attribute. But there are also religious dating apps that, uh, that are thematic around that uh, centralized religion as well to capture the, the, the dating uh, scenarios that would happen there.
1: It is super interesting. And farmers, right? And we farmers. can't forget farmers
0: only. You don't
1: have to be lonely <laughs> farmersonly.com. Um. Okay. Yeah. So super interesting. We're just maybe more aware of where people stand before we go on a date with them. So we're less likely to get attached. Although we have heard of so many catfishing stories of people who said they were one thing and then they weren't. On oh, websites. very much so. Yeah, and
0: we, I, I think people can evolve in a relationship too, evolve like towards a religion. But I would yeah. think maybe more millennialism, maybe evolve away from a religion within the relationship itself.
1: It's true. It's true. Um. So interestingly, so this is this is taken from an article by Michelle Margarales, um, And she did an article for. 538 as well on millennials and religion. I will put a little asterisk on it is when I read the article, it felt a little um, skewed to me. Like a, a, there were some pretty undertones on there and I wasn't able to find any data to support this, but I thought it was interesting. And so I'm just going to say it and we're going to talk about it. So Michelle, Michelle says at that critical moment when people are getting married and having kids and their real religious identity is becoming more stable those that have left that are Republicans mostly do return to the religion. It's the Democrats that aren't coming back.
0: Hmm. I'd love to see data me there. Too. <laughs> me like, too. Me too. That, like that—that—that's a bold statement without some numbers and a sample size that's acceptable.
1: It is. It—it it seemed very interesting to me, though, and so
0: maybe it's ob- observational within her life. It
1: could absolutely be, and it could be kind of along the lines of some of the things we've talked about. Like people are no longer finding ideas that they support with an organized religion, um, and are moving away from it entirely. I don't know, but I, I thought it was a very fascinating and bold claim. And so I wanted to put that out into the ether and just, yeah, think about it.
0: Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to spend too much time there until there's something substantiated.
1: And who knows who knows if it will be, but yeah, very interesting i I think um observationally, it lines up to my own experience, but it's it's like my experience is at the the tiny grain of sand on the tip of your hand you don't oh play. James webb telescope with <laughs>
0: that that's five episodes, guys, like I could just <laughs> bore you to death with the James Webb telescope no, we love it but yeah i gosh, you're you know just a thought Uh, how many millennials even identify with a political party. Yeah. Right. That that's where I sit there and say, Hmm, I don't know to that statement.
1: Yeah. No, I think, I think it would be interesting to hear more about that for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So I wanted, so I, I went through a lot of Christian content looking for this and, um, confession. I, Already, Chris is dying laughing over there. I already consume a lot of Christian content. My kind of unwinding time is to watch Christian couples on YouTube, <laughs> and.
0: To D- define. What these Christian couple YouTube channels are because that is okay. not fair to the listener. They're just like, oh, interesting, Jillian. No, define what this is. So
1: they're they're typically evangelical Christians and evangelical in that they evangelize, right? They're trying to get the word out about um, about God and Jesus and His grace and everything. So it's it's a couple. I've only seen heterosexual couples on this. And they usually have an episode called When God Writes Your Love Story. And those are the ones that I love the most because it kind of goes through their whole dating experience and then how unmistakably every time God is telling them that they belong together. Is it miraculous or is it subtle? Sometimes it's miraculous, sometimes it's subtle. Oh, okay. It it usually is painted as pretty miraculous though. And like, I am very much for like, let people live their lives and do their thing. Um, I just wish like... (laughs) I got any sort of divine confirmation that way too. <laughs> Ever in my life, I think that would be really cool. So I'm like very fascinated in people's love stories and then there's a handful of couples that I watch whoop more than just kind of their relationshipy stuff. Although a lot of it is and it's it's uh, my favorite that I talk about all the time was Girl Defined. They are hugely problematic. They're sisters. I would not recommend listening or consuming anything of theirs pretty much ever um but they uh had an episode where they talked about happiness and if people deserve to be happy and their answer was no people don't deserve to be happy like full stop this is like this life is not for happiness this life is for pain and suffering and happiness comes after your dead.
0: that is quite a
1: viewpoint yeah And that like is so contrary to everything. And it's, it's really like almost like it's changed how I do things. And every once in a while, when I'm like super happy, I'm like F you, Bethany, I am happy in this lifetime.
0: (laughs) Right. Um, I, I will not ruin anything for anyone, but that, (laughs) that complete undertone was in the new Thor movie, uh, there of, you know, forego happiness or embrace the suffering of life for what is eternal reward and that that's where I'll leave it but yeah that that undertone is almost that's the catalyst for almost the entire movie and i was like ooh that's who huh, that that's a bit relatable yeah
1: yeah and that's that's definitely something that was part of the religion we grew up with kind of almost martyrdom was a big subject of like it's okay to be weird and pure like persecuted in air quotes for your beliefs um, and like there are some things you're not gonna be able to do in this lifetime, but it's okay because the reward will be so great. And I think that brings people, like some people a lot of comfort. And so I'd never want to take that away from them. Um, but my own viewpoints is like we're, I, I don't think anyone can tell you what happens next. Like we all have our own viewpoints. Um, and so why not live this life to the fullest and um, have the best life possible for yourself during this time in a in in a way that benefits society like right don't be like a total deviant but yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: but i i i, I uh, have this saying that i that i kind of keep to myself i think i've shared it with Jillian but it's like you know in this lifetime like find your happiness and then find your way back to it as many times as you possibly can because there are things that like pull us away from from our happiness yeah. i think regular life and all of that but like when you can truly find like your genuine happiness, like leave yourself a breadcrumb trail.
1: <laughs> I could not agree more. And and when you find things that don't resonate with your soul, like move away from them the best you can. That's something I hugely believe Is trust your gut.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: So in one of um, my YouTube watches of this, I came across this man named um, John Jorgensen, who I was expecting just to like like kind of suffer through this. I was doing one of those like paint by diamond things of the of Van Gogh's Starry Night. Wait,
0: wait, wait. That wasn't a good enough explanation. <laughs> as millennials, we've all had experience with paint by number, whether that was in school or whether we took it on as a summer hobby because there was too much TV watching or something to that nature. They now have little plastic beads that yeah. that resemble tiny jewels that yep. you can paint by jewel is essentially what this is pretty fun and jillian is using a, a classic piece by Gogh yes. <laughs> and just mindlessly putting these beads on uh-huh. on the paint by number it's quite lovely and it uh entertains her
1: yeah it does it's, it's like a very good de-stressor for me so i love it so i was doing that i was by myself in my airbnb in reno doing that one night and um, I was watching this just expecting to hate it. And I actually really loved it. Um, and to paraphrase what he says, this will be linked. Youth are um, like people in the church are not accepting of youth or their decisions are saying they just party with the sinners. They're just doing these things with the sinners. And he was like, didn't Jesus party with the sinners? Isn't that what he was about? Like he accepted everyone. And that's, I have my own views on Jesus, um, which I will not be sharing on this podcast, <laughs> but um, they, they are positive. They, I, don't, I don't believe in the Jesus that's written down pretty much, um, but I do think if he did exist, he was a lovely person, um, and so that's, that really resonated with me, and lastly, a Medium blog piece by Emily Cooper. She wrote, we don't want coffee. We don't want multicolored stage lights. It referring to the things that, um, churches are kind of doing to bring in more millennials. We want Jesus and we can't find him in your churches. Um, ooh, ooh, yeah. that's wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow.
0: I, I forgot the name of that person, but ooh.
1: I know like, like body chills, full body chills. <laughs> yeah. So just, and she's a, she's a self-proclaimed Christian that does not participate in
0: i think a lot of i think a lot of millennials might find it difficult to uh, fully participate or fully identify because they have their own conflict within maybe what is their formed moral compass or their formed uh views of life and it's very difficult to pick and choose from right maybe a, a very like defined uh, religion that has def- mm-hmm. defined rules and everything, yeah. and I, I could see a mental struggle.
1: Right there, right. Yeah, I I think so too. I I think that's exactly because
0: I don't exactly think I don't people think people we're a are. I think I don't think we're opposed. Well, I can only speak from a, a, a Protestant Christian uh, footing here. Right. I don't think. Many people would be opposed to peace, love, happiness, help your neighbor. But a lot of that has contingencies attached to it, right?
1: Yes, definitely. And yeah, I, I think this is kind of where we show our own life experience a little bit, which is, which is fine. We're, it's, it's who we are. It's why we're doing this podcast. We're not robots. We do have lived experiences and we do feel these like uh, some of these things based on our own lived experiences. So um, thanks for being here with us as we kind of unpack some of these things live and on air, too, as well. Um, And then to kind of set us up for next week's episode, I wanted to leave you with one other thing from the Pew Research Center survey that I mentioned earlier. Go Pew. So. Even though millennials are less attached to organized religion than their parents or grandparents were at the same age, the same survey re- revealed that 80% of millennials believe in something greater than themselves and an inc- and increasing numbers identify with statements like, I feel a deep sense of spiritual peace and well-being, or I experience a deep sense of wonder about the universe. Body chills all over again. Um, <laughs> So you'll see kind of the progression of this topic in the next week, maybe two, maybe three. Who knows um, about this? But our next topic is going to be millennials. Okay, so they're leaving organized religion. What now?
0: Oh, I cannot wait to go at least find what data is. I I think I've seen... Certain of my peers, certain of my friends and their life paths as they take that on. But I'd be really interested to see what a greater number of people are truly doing.
1: Yep, yep, definitely. So that is that is the basis of millennials and religion. So when we hear millennials are killing organized religion, it's really only Christianity, um, at least in the U.S., and while the reasons they're leaving are varied, they're not returning as they hit the milestones that other rege- other generations have kind of turned around and rejoined religion at. But a great and great majority, they believe in something greater than themselves. So there's our baseline, there's what we'll build upon.
0: I've been waiting all week. I'm so glad <laughs> we finally got to chat about this topic. It's so difficult like compiling this data and not talking to you yeah. or you just being like, hey, this is the general like, one-liner theme of what we're doing i'm like no. i have so many questions
1: <laughs> i know and we tell each other like pretty much everything and so it's really hard not to be like guess what every single time i find something that i think is really interesting so yeah Uh
0: oh, this this if for no one else i had a blast <laughs> me too this was such an interesting conversation yeah. For those who are listening, uh, we're gonna just keep picking things that are fascinating to us. But if you have something that you would like us to review, uh, do research on, have a chat on, potentially even uh, you coming and being a contributor on the show, the door's wide open. Everyone, like this is this is not us just curating our thoughts. This is us having a good time. we we've, we've been. <laughs> We've been talking about doing this for a while. I'm so happy that we're finally doing it and that's consistent. I'm having such a great time doing it, but we we do want to be part of our millennial community. We want to invite people into our community or we'd love to be invited into yours. I'm I'm okay with either. Yeah.
1: All right, everyone. I think that's all we have for this week.
0: Absolutely. So uh, where can anyone reach us?
1: You can find us on Instagram at Mind the Millennial Gap. You can find us on TikTok at Mind the Millennial Gap. And you can find you can email us at MindTheMillennialGap gap at gmail.com.
0: That's so great. Everyone who's listening, everyone who is uh been here for a handful of weeks, everyone who's brand new, thank you for your patience while we figure this out. <laughs> thank you for listening to what our thoughts are and how th- Quite honestly, this all came about because Jillian and I would just sit at, at dinner, we'd sit at night or whenever we had free time and we would just sit there and discuss the juxtaposition of our experiences uh, because of our, our age difference. And I'm so, I'm so happy this is taking form <laughs> in this medium. So thank you all for listening. We will be back next week with uh, the adjacent topic of where in the world is anyone going if they're not staying uh, in religion. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you.